0: Hello, you're listening to Totako Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! Today's episode is our summer 2023 anime season reviews part one. And Can we give it some cool Attack on Titan title, like part one, season two, finals, the final season part one, mm, part
1: two? No, I, I think we just say uh, season 12, part one. Oh, we go by
0: seasons based on how many podcast episodes we've done, so we're like, I don't know like 800 or something like that <laughs> yeah. anyways we have hey,
1: we're, we're we're getting ready to beat one
0: piece <laughs> yes that is
1: true
0: i mean we release an episode every week so it whenever one piece takes a break we're catching up yeah uh, but yes we're doing the most heretical last boss queen bang dream it's my go level one demon lord and one room hero hori Mia piece ayaka uh, mushoko tensei javascript incarnation second season part one uh, Atelier tell your masamune kun's revenge R. Man, I got thirty-second season. Sweet reincarnation. Dreaming boy is a realist, and reincarnated is a vending machine. I guess I should put Michiko Tensei at the end, <laughs> just so that people can tune out when it gets to that point, because they know we won't shut up about it. Probably. Uh, I guess I'll put that at the end. But yeah, as per usual, at TalkySpirit.com is where you can go for all of our links, social media links, ways to get a hold of us, Discord, join a great community of friends there. And additionally, you can support us through Patreon, tips, links, all that kind of stuff. Greatly, greatly appreciated. supports the channel it means a lot to us. Let's get into it. Are you are you ready? We'll start things off with a show that you've actually watched. Isn't that great? Cool. I'm kind like that. The most heretical last boss queen from villainous to savior. Or Higeki no to naru saikyo kiro last boss <laughs> jo wa tame no tame ni sukushimasu I almost had it. Sukumisha S- tsukushimasu <laughs> i don't know why that one just messed up it just happens it just happens
1: after about f- four or five words in japan japanese andrew starts go- getting suddenly t- 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 like t- a dyslexic
0: i don't know uh but yeah anyways uh <laughs> this one was done this was on a high dive ran for 12 episodes done by olm team yoshioka the source of the light novel genres are fantasy and romance but yes, this one follows a girl who one day. Oh my gosh, I've got to remember the opening of it. Yes, she was. She was told to come to some roof uh, by somebody. She don't. She doesn't recall who it was. But somebody showed up. She just got a message saying that she got accepted into the school that she was trying to get into this university, and this person that she can't recall their face just shows up and pushes her off the side of the building, and then she wakes up in the body of Pride Royal Ivy, who is the villainess of this one. Uh, the, the, was that a yeah that was an atome game it was game. an atome game that <laughs> she really liked <laughs> I, my brain was going back to that um the other one with the the girl that was the the friend of the main character and that was a novel series but yes it's an atome game so yes it's in a villainous isekai but essentially she realizes who she is she's probably this really evil evil villainess. like this this lady is nasty <laughs> like most of these atome games are just mean this one she's nasty she's like getting well, they people even... killed, slaughtered. She eventually le- leads to the ruins of the entire country. The person that comes to save the country from her is actually her sister, um, who pretty much comes and saves her from um, be- her rulership of the kingdom that leads to its doom. So she quickly realized this gets very sorrowful. Uh, she ends up recalling like this incident that happens with her father that's in the game, uh, ends up, you know, calling out to him to stop him from going to this accident, which then... Pretty much signifies to them that she got the ability to see into the future, which is pretty much whenever somebody has that ability, it means that they're going to be next to the, uh, the crown to the, the kingdom itself. And um, she, of course, puts into a lot of things to not do what the evil pride once did. All the while pretty much being sorrowful for everything that pride had once done and being fearful that one day she'll become the real pride and destroy the kingdom. Thoughts. What, what, what was
1: your end thoughts on the most heretical last being, being but last boss queen? This is definitely one of the tops for me. Um, as far as the, the top, the, not the, the bottom, ad, not the bottom. <laughs> um, as far as the Atome game, uh, villainous shows. Um, I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I really liked um her, the journey that they went through in, in during the process of um a, a basically atoning for the sins that she never technically committed um fixing the problems um and all that it, it really did hit, hit some really dark themes um and and still at the same time kind of really uh did a lot of character studies on a lot of these characters and what they're going through in the the just leading up to the point where she gets involved in their life and and where the other pride uh, would have done certain things. So it kind of did this really nice um, kind of balancing between at the same time showing what pr- the evil pride would have done. And at the same time, how she is fixing the situations that they are actually in. So I really liked that they did a lot of that and, and balancing it really well. So um, all in all, the the only real big beef I have was, uh, and it's really kind of a minor beef because I think that they uh, they they chapter ended it really well, um, showing showing that everybody's kind of le- looking to the towards the future. But just before then, one of the last arcs that they went through, they kind of showed a a villain of some sort, and not the um, villainous, just a villain, a villain of some sort. You know, it's maybe another <laughs> set guy. Yeah, i <laughs> i i wouldly, i i would i was actually thinking probably the the person who pushed her off the roof, but that's the side uh a side kind of tangent uh what I thought of, um but yeah it, I I really enjoyed this show I think it was really really fantastic uh s- small beef not really that big of a deal um yeah that's pretty much where I I landed I think that's
0: the That is kind of a struggle for me for the ending is it's like, I, I think it, 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 it almost feels like we got the band together end and it's like, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's a very like exciting climactic end. I mean, the, the final arc is probably the strongest in my opinion. I, I would have to think about it, but I think it is one of the strongest arcs of the entire thing because it did feel like it was very, it was very involved. Um, the problem that most of the arcs have is it's typically open up with, this is what I did to this person, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to do everything right for them. And now they love her. That one, yet yeah, sort of the same premise, the idea of do the right thing. And then they suddenly want to devote themselves, but it felt a lot more involved. It felt, it felt like there was multiple aspects to it, multiple episodes to it, rather than it just being a slam bam done. But I I guess that gets into my biggest criticism of the show. And I do have to warn here that my criticism of the show is essentially what it. It's not technically a criticism because it's because my upset is that it didn't do what I was hoping it would do. The show opens up with this concept of I am now pride and pride's evil. And she literally balls her eyes out in front of the, the servants because they're afraid that they're going to, to give the context here. She leans out the window to tell the father, don't go, because she go she knows that when he leaves, the carriage is going to wreck, and he's going to be killed, I believe it was. And as she's leaning out, this wind gust happens, she nearly falls to her death. One of the servants rushes forward and grabs her and pulls her back into the room. When she realizes what just happened, everybody freaks out. They're afraid she's literally going to have him executed for touching her, even though he saved her life. And it's in their fear that suddenly she gets emotional, that they're afraid because Pride, myself, is a terrible person. And my hope was, because of what that sort of presented to me, was this idea of not just having a villainess that does all the good things. Because we honestly have a lot of villainess-y guys that do that. It's the, they pop up and they go, wow, the, the, what I am this person that is really mean. And we, they kind of dabble into this is what evil things that this person that I am now would do. But they never do it, obviously, because they want to be a good person. They want to avoid the death flags or whatever. We've seen that a lot of times. My hope was it was giving me a sense that this was going to be the first case where you have a character in the villainous body, but they're struggling with the emotions and the actual sins of it. And it sort of a pr- portrays that in the idea that she's constantly sorrowful and she's constantly afraid that she's going to become the the, the villainous. She even tells a lot of people, in the future... If I become a bad person, please end me. She is that terrified. She cries in the arms of Steiru because she's afraid she's going to become that person. He doesn't understand why. He's like, this girl's super nice. Why does she think she's going to be a bad guy? It gave me too many hints. And even the OP sort of gives you that indication as well. The 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 visual art for it gives you that indication. I had a feeling almost as if there was going to be this thing where every now and then she was going to get pulled back and she's going to be forced to have to do horrible things. I never did that. Instead, it just turns into, you know, this segment of the episode is what terrible things Pride did. And then she does nice things. Next episode. Here's all the terrible things that Pride's going to do with this person. I'm not going to do it. And so it kind of just turns into a very samey concept. It's it's portrayed well. It's fine. It's just, I was extremely, dis- I was very disappointed that I I I had a high hope for this because I think there's a lot of I, I, I starve for that type of story, and I think I've had so many shows that hint at it, like like uh, Spirit Chronicles did the same thing. It almost felt like he was a isekai into the body of somebody, and he was fighting for control of the body, and the old self was coming back into the body, and so there was like this split personality kind of thing going on, and I was hoping that this would do that or even have this idea that almost like pride, the real pride is haunting her, and he almost had that feeling with some of the nightmares she was having about doing horrible stuff like with for example one of the very first situations is Stadu. she he is this boy that the he had a certain ability and that allowed that was something they wanted to be another prince of the family so they went out to this location took him from his mother brought him in and basically through royal decree made him the brother of pride now in the original story of pride she does horrible things to him, forces him to have to sign this contract because there's this, this system in the, the show itself where well, it's like a blood pact or something like that. I It was called. It's
1: a, it's a contract, contract of fealty or something like that.
0: Yeah. And whatever you she could put whatever she wants on it. And when they sign it, you have to do what they say. And so she has Stale go home, kill his mother and then come back because she just wanted to see if he would do it. So she orders him to do it orders him that he can't end his own life and he's suffering the whole time instead obviously pride does a lot of cool things for him and helps him not have to worry about his mother and everything again it's like it's dark but at the same time it's just like but that's not the story so it's almost like it's trying to tell two stories and it just doesn't really work it just kind of just turns into she does a lot of cool things i do like a lot of the mechanics around her like the whole um what was the queen? The boss powers. The boss stuff was really cool. <laughs> it kind of makes her super kick butt. Um, not that it's portrayed very well, just because the show's not that visually pleasing. It's a lot of stills. It's a lot of. They're trying really hard to make it look cool when the fights actually happen, but it it struggles visually a lot. I think the style is great. I like the character designs and everything like that. I just think the the animation couldn't really hold it together, despite the fact that I I, I enjoy the characters. So yeah, in the end, it comes down to, I like the characters. I like the concept. I think it could have been ext- a lot better. And maybe that's a light novel thing. Maybe the light novel gets a lot more into possibly pride, constantly pulling at her. And maybe they just cut a lot of that stuff. It sort of gives me the feeling of that just based on the fact of how much she's struggling with it because it doesn't, it's not, the way she's always in turmoil, my assumption is that in the original light novel, maybe there's more time spent where the real pride maybe is possibly, you know, getting at her um but who knows i just a lot of lost potential and again that's a lot of that's my expectations because it almost made me feel like that was the direction it can go and it didn't really it just kind of came down to a typical villainous i the real one did terrible things and i'm not doing terrible things and it's like yay i mean go pride i guess <laughs> i guess but yeah it's um i don't know it's it's very it's very middle of the road for me i'd, I'd probably put in like a five area or something like that it's not a not a great show but it at least paul say you was albert that was really cool <laughs> i don't know there's something about a, a a a paul character always as a father in the show is always is always a, a plus for me uh but yeah that's um the most heretical last boss queen from savior to savior technically <laughs> bang a dream it's my goal uh, this one streamed on Crunchy Robin for 13 episodes now by Sans Again. Mix Me A Project. Music and Drama are the are the genres. I made a whole video on this, but for the podcasters, I guess I still gotta talk about it again. But yeah. This one is by essentially it follows a group, a band called Chrysik. And in the opening part of the episode, the, they go out and they do a performance. They think they did a really great job, but then when they go to practice the next day. One of their members shows up to the practice, uh, Sakiko, and she says, I'm done. I d I do don't want to be a part of this this band anymore. I'm I'm leaving. And everybody's like, No, no, it's it's okay. Right. We we can what's th- what's wrong? We can we could do this. And she's like, she starts basically criticizing each of the members and says, No, it's done, we're over, and walks out the door. And that breaks up the band. The 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 episode one, they broke up the band. That's not a good thing. Good job. Cut forward, this girl named Anon. She is arriving back home from a trip. She comes in there, goes to a new school. At this new school, you get a really quick glimpse that it feels like this is like the Love Live of uh, band worlds where everybody's in a band, <laughs> like literally everybody at school is in a band. And so she really quickly realizes, oh, uh, so I guess I got to be in a band too. So she starts going around hunting for anybody in the school that possibly is not in a band already. Uh, she runs into to Tomori and Tomori is very apprehensive about joining a band. She seems a little bit, um, she's a little odd. Compared to most people, she likes collecting odd things. Like she has a whole bunch of band-aids that are all like penguins and she likes to give them away. Um, she likes collecting rocks out in the garden and stuff, but it seems like she's very shy and that she's not too into the idea of becoming a part of the band, which you realize very quickly as the viewer because she was in that Crystix band. So maybe that's probably why. Uh, eventually, after kind of pressing her for a while, she ends up running into other band members from Crystix, like Soyo, who's like, oh, hey, you're trying to get Tom Money to join a band again. I'll help you out. And then they drag in Taki, who's not liking the idea they're trying to tra- drag Tomori back into a band. Eventually, they make a new band. Um, eventually, uh, uh, as the title would lead to the blade, it's, it's called It's My Go. They call this band It's My Go. But it's m- pretty much all of the members of Cry 6 with Anon now a part of it, except Sakiko doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And Mutsumi doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So they're down two members of the original band, but they're rebuilding it, basically. Um, and then they, they you know practice together, have drama, all that kind of stuff. All the while, there's this desire to complete the entire Christ Expand, um, reform it while people don't want to be a part of it. And uh, Tomori has to regain her courage to to sing again. So, uh, my thoughts. First of all, of course, this is Sans again, so it's CGI. It's a fully CGI show, um, just like all the other Bang Dream ones since the second season, since Sans again took over for the Bang Dream franchise. They've been doing all of their their all their, their seasons. And I honestly think that Senzigen's doing a lot better job. They definitely have developed their craft. I, I think for the most part, I don't really have any problems with their style anymore. I think they're very expressive, uh, much to the detriment whenever they get smell dramatic, which I'll get into in a minute. Uh, but overall, it looks really good, uh, especially the performances themselves look really great. Um, they, could, they do a lot of cool stuff with lighting. Um, again, like I said, emotion is really kind of portrayed very well as well. There's a lot of emotional segments in the performances themselves that really come across and that gets into the story itself. Bang Dream is my go; is definitely the surprise for me for the season. I really, really enjoyed a lot of the show. Now, not entirely a like perfect show or anything like that. Uh, I, I guess it really comes down to I like Enon. Enon was a great character. She's very Genki, but at the same time, she has her hidden side. Which typically, if you get like a a very dramatic show, you're going to have the Genki character has the side they're trying to hide. Um, not that it's extremely deep character, but it was a pretty solid arc when they get into her story. The gem of this show, honestly, for me is Tomori. I think Tomori's story was super, super, super good. I loved her story so much. She had me bawling my eyes out so many freaking times in the show. Um, she is technically the archetype. I'm not good at speaking. I'm very shy. I am not outspoken. I'm very much introvert, but I can sing and they push them out on the stage and they have to find the courage to finally sing. But her story is very different than what you typically get. It's typically, yes, they're not good around people and they have to fight to be around people. This one's a lot more complicated in the idea that it almost feels like they were portraying Tomori to be somewhat of special in ways. Her entire childhood, um, she's pretty much never been in the groups. She's always been different. She kind of finds herself not normal. And again, that's like often portrayed in the idea that she's very I don't know if it's, it's if it has a clinical term given to it or or if it would fall into categories of something like OCD or something like that. But sounded,
1: she, now that you now collecting that you, random things, collecting not sounds be, like an OCD thing.
0: Yeah. Not being social, not being able to speak much. Everything she does to communicate is writing in her journals. She has a massive spread of all of these uh, notebooks that she writes down everything she's thinking because she can't speak to people. And again, she's constantly collecting things. That's how she communicates to people. Here, take these. Take these. I have these. And so it kind of gives me a sense that she's, again, special in a way. And it's so great to have, like with the original backstory, you having Sakiko, who is the one that pulls Tomari into cry and the entire episode, which I give this credit to the studio and the director, the entire episode from the backstory is from Tomori's perspective. And you see how she's weird. You know, not weird, but she's special in a way. And then the idea that she finds these things is what she has to do. Collecting rocks and putting them on the windowsill as the teacher's going, come play with the other kids. And she just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Then she gets to writing in all this stuff that she thinks about. And then Sakiko sees all of those and she thinks that she's writing the lyrics. And so Sakiko being somebody that can actually, um, you know, compose music, she turns... Tomori's words, her inner thoughts, into music. And it turns into something that's really beautiful because essentially what it is, is Tomori is singing her desires. She's singing her inner thoughts. Everything that she could not say before, she's now screaming it on the stage. And it turns into such a beautiful story. I love it how it's portrayed. And it continues like that. ongoing forward, every single struggle that Tomori's facing, you feel it. And the music itself becomes her, her, sorrow it becomes her anger it becomes her frustrations on the stage and that always kind of they did a really good job of kind of throwing in a lot of story beats in the performances it's not just cut to performance and everything's perfect you get a lot of like off sync of how off sync they are um one character struggling over something and so their music is a little bit off um they did a lot of that stuff really well on the stage itself and it turned into most all of the performances themselves being extremely emotional so all that stuff is fantastic now <laughs> My problems with the show itself. I don't really care much for any of the characters. <laughs> like, all the other characters are so melodrama. Soyo, Sakiko, Taki, in a, in a lot of cases, is just massive, massive melodrama. And so many conversations that just don't feel natural. Uh, Like, every now and then, like, for example, you'll have this scene where Mutsumi's like, no, I don't really want to get involved, I'm I'm fine. And then... I think Sakiko would be like, well, it's everything that happened is your fault, you know? And it's like, what? What? Tell me how that makes sense. Please explain to me who killed who. It is one of those shows. It's literally one of those shows where you're like, who killed Sakiko's mom or something? Because Sakiko is so dead set on, I don't have anything to do with Cry Six, but I don't know what. I can make assumptions, but it never says. I'm assuming because once the show ended, it, it booked in the season with some sort of sign of what Sakiko's going through. And the second season is supposed to be Sakiko's band that possibly that is where they're going to explain it. But I I hate the fact that I don't mind having a story beat take time to explain. But when you have the initial catalyst, the initial trigger point for the initial drama of the story in the first episode is constantly dragged through the entire season and you don't explain it, that bugs me. (laughs) That bugs me. And there's so many dramatic scenes of characters flipping out at each other with no explanation. And it just gets tiresome. But, again, Tomari, along with Anon, makes the show really, really good. And I really did enjoy it. Um, Obvious question is obvious. Bang Dream is my go. Is it a sequel Technically, timeline-wise, yes. Does it require you to watch the previous seasons? No. It is a new group of characters, even though there is cameos of the characters in the first, was it three seasons? Bang Dream was three seasons, I think it was. Uh, The first series of Bang Dream, those characters cameo a lot. There is one character in the band that is related in a way to a very um, side, but sort of significant character of the first season that I remember. And it does imply the end result of a certain situation in the first season. But again, I don't think it matters. These are different characters, different struggles. It doesn't require it. So I just want to say that I do acknowledge that it is technically in the timeline after the original Bang Dream because people got mad at me for saying this is a sequel. It's technically a sequel, just not the characters aren't a sequel. (laughs) I'm going to turn I'm going to make that argument up in the discord now. But yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. Music was solid. Um, there, it did feel like Tomori was drowned out quite a bit with the, the instruments, but um, the music was good. And I and I liked Tomori's story. So for Tomori alone, watch it. But yeah, I do admit it gets melodramatic. So keep that in mind. Bang Dream, it's my goal. Level one, Demon Lord and one room, Hero. Level one, Maoto, one room, Yusha. This one streamed on High Dive, ran for 12 episodes. Studio is Silverlink Link stu- uh, and Blade. The source of web manga, comedy, fantasy, or the genres. And yeah, this one follows, uh, it opens up with Mao, the demon lord of this world. And Mao gets his butt kicked. Gets taken out by the hero and his hero party and then jump forward in time and Mao has been reborn. Wasn't supposed to be reborn. <laughs> he kind of resurrected himself a little bit early. Um, so their form is not quite fully developed. They're like this little scrawny chibi. But uh, they're dead set on going to see Max. See, the demon lord seems to have uh, an obsession with Max, the hero, <laughs> wants to go see Max. And uh, even though Mao's like, assistant's like, yeah, you don't want to go see Max. It's like, no, I'm going to go see Max. Let me go see Max. No, you really shouldn't go see Max. You should probably get things kind of organized here. And then Mao runs off and goes to see Max. Flies out into the city, goes to this really small apartment where they find Max, and he's a slob shut-in basically not really a shut-in but mostly a shut-in seems like everybody hates him he got caught in like a whole bunch of controversies womanizing and all this stuff fighting with people so the entire kingdom hates him and he's got his swords covering trash in the corner and Mao's like what the heck happened to you but again Mao has like an obsession with max so it he ends up sticking around there and helping max rehabilitate in a way they just kind of end up hanging out together and Mao's cooking food for Max, and we're just waiting for Max to to accept Mao's desire for him to become a hero again, so that they can fight again. Uh, even though Mao doesn't have all their strength back, and easily gets beat up by Max. And yeah, then eventually the assistant shows up, gets the apartment next to them. We meet Fred, which is the healer of the party, and he's leading some like organization within the Republic itself. We find out that Leo, their quote unquote tank warrior character, he's like. He has, like, some land up in the north of the kingdom that he's trying to build up, and then the kingdom turned on him, so he's trying to fight for their uh, ability to be, you know, separate from the kingdom itself, and then, yeah. Gamma Republic. Yeah. Something like that.
1: Review you, what's your thoughts? This one is really, really tough. Um, I am very mixed on it. Wow. I like the characters. Ow! Ow, Chris... I really like the characters. I, the story beats just didn't really kick for me. I, I, I found a lot of things humorous here and there, but nothing really kind of just hit really well for me. I, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm really mixed on it. I, I do like it in a lot of cases. I, I enjoyed the, the show for the most part. A lot of the goofy hijinks, I know that they were supposed to be funny, but they just they were they were just generally amusing for me. So all in all, I, I just I liked it. it. It was just a fine show.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that was definitely the probably the weirdest thing about the show is when I came into it, I assume it was just gonna be Shenanigans like, oh ha. ha the hero and the and the demon lord are, are hanging out in a small apartment building. Like it's a small little apartment building. And what shenanigans can happen from that? Ha ha ha! They're probably gonna beat each other up all the time, bug the heck out of each other. But it doesn't really feel like a like a really heavy comedy. This show like felt so much more like wholesome mixed with like drama. Like I wasn't really expecting. Like it was a lot more heavier than I thought it would be. Like really early on, it hits very heavy on the idea of how Max is like a reject from society. Like society just hates him. Like this is this guy that saved the world and he's walking down the street and kids are are laughing at him and saying that their parents told him to stay away from him. And you have all these tabloids and and different websites are posting all these news bits about how terrible Max was. And you're like, holy crap, what the heck happened to this dude in the past? Did Like there's like a sense of like, did society just turn on him? And then the reporters made up a bunch of stuff to to lambast him Did it become like the coolest thing to be mean to him you know that the other heroes are doing well at least Leo or Fred's doing decently well like he's leading the organization for like the defense or something like that I forget what exactly the organization that he's a part of so it's obvious that these these heroes could be possibly still doing well but Max is not doing well so you assume that he possibly is partially at fault I think like Mao even pushes at him at some point even Fred does this idea that you know it's his it's own fault for really pushing people away so it, there is that curiosity what's going what he's going through and but it, it kind of hurts the idea of how far he has fallen and then it kind of gets into how Mao is again being pretty obsessed with Max in a way it starts off as a joke and the idea that like Mao keeps talking about his pecs and stuff like that but then it turns into like genuinely Mao cares for Max and it seems like Mao really wants to help him out and so it's it's super heartwarming in that regard and I really wasn't expecting that and That kind of continues throughout the entire thing as you see Max trying to struggle to get back on his feet and Mao trying to push him to get back on his feet. And yeah, I, I would probably say the only part where the story beats really kind of bug me is probably when it starts to get into more to Leo, it gets into, you know, Fred and Fred trying to blackmail, uh, Max into being a part of this, you know, this, basically this war between these two, these two groups, these two factions, but I, I think it still turned out good just because I liked the chemistry between Max, Fred, and Leo. I didn't care about the overall story in the world, the kingdom and all that kind of stuff in the Republic. I liked the fact that these three characters were kind of caught in the middle. Fred's being pulled into it and Fred's trying to pull everybody else into it, even though Max doesn't want anything to do with it. And Leo's like, I just want you to leave me alone. Um, it was essentially the heroes that saved the world. Some of them get rejected by the world. But then in the end, they're all fighting over, fighting each other over the world, even though they don't want to have anything to do with it except for Fred. <laughs> and I, I I do like that aspect. It's, it is, it does kind of turn into a pretty cool little element of the reuniting of the bros, even though they don't want to get together again, <laughs> in a sense. Um, I do like that. I, I think this show overall had a lot more going for it than I initially thought was actually going to be there. I thought this show, again, that was just going to be a dumb a dumb comedy stuck in a small room, but it actually turned into a lot of really cool moments of the show. And, and the characters that I really, really liked. So yeah, it's, it's probably right there alongside bang dream. Just a, a huge surprise for me for the season that I wasn't really expecting to be as heartfelt and wholesome and fun as it was. And every time Fred sees the ghost, (laughs)
1: that
0: (laughs) That, was, that was
1: funny. (laughs) That was, that
0: was easily the funniest comedy in the series for sure is just, Every single the the stupid even the footage that was on the SD card suddenly is like wait what (laughs) it's super good I loved it um but yeah it's 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 got some funny moments in there but I I do agree with Chris that like the most part a lot of the comedy just wasn't that good but I think because it wasn't so hyper focused on that comedy it didn't bug me like it wasn't like a string of comedy beats and I'm like these aren't working so this entire episode's wasted. It was just, it was comedy thrown in the midst of, you know, the characters themselves and just hanging out and just having a good time. There's a lot of smile. It's, it's, it's enough to keep me smiling the whole time. So, but no, yeah, I, it, I really liked it.
1: It, it. That, that is pretty much where it, it, it's just that I don't think that the, the story beats really kind of hit for me. I mean, I, I get that the, obviously the comedy wasn't the main, main driving factor. That was my point is that the comedy wasn't pulling me through. But the story beats weren't weren't really kind of offsetting that. I thought I, I thought of the stories were cool, but they just weren't awesome. I guess is really kind of what I I don't know. Either way, yep yep. That is level one demon lord,
0: one room apartment, hero apartment something something. Hori me a piece. Uh, this will probably be really quickly. Um, of course, this is Hori me a piece, which is Colorworks going back to. Mia and saying, "Oh yeah, that's right. We we kind of skipped a lot of stuff when we fully adapted the last uh, that one season. So, let's go ahead and adapt everything. It's it's the new trend right now as these studios going back to successful anime and going, "Okay, we're going to adapt that stuff that we didn't adapt before." But yeah, it's it's just little segments as it implies piece, little segments of skipped content which for the most part uh still visually good, music's still good, still love the characters. Um, had a lot of episodes that I got a huge kick out of, but it's a lot of episodes that were really blah. Like they had an entire episode that was just like, I guess all the jokes that were around the Katatsu, and that episode was extremely boring. But then there was a lot of other episodes that were just kind of just shenanigans with the characters at school or whatever that just really kind of hit. Um, it is, it is a, it's kind of one of those things where you really, it's kind of like the whole thing with, um, Rekka Kings. Remember what I said about *Ranking of Kings, like, early on, it felt like, yeah, these are, I can understand why these are skipped. <laughs> like, these little segments weren't that interesting. I mean, I, they're still good because, you know, Boji's there or something like that, or Kage goes out to help the old lady. But when you think about it, yeah, it makes sense why it was skipped. It wasn't until later on in the whole thing where it started jumping to the good stuff. Like, it was mostly post-anime stuff and all that kind of stuff that it got good. But you kind of get that in, that feeling of like, okay, now I understand why this wasn't in the original show. It's just not that interesting or it's kind of boring or it's just not, not a good punchline. It doesn't doesn't have enough development for a character. That's where I do feel like a lot of the time with horimiya Piece* is there's a lot of these episodes where there's segments where it's like, yeah, get why that was on the cutting floor. It just wasn't that funny or it just wasn't that interesting. But the problem that comes from this overall is that aspect of this is, is so scattershot that you don't really know... You don't know which characters are close to who characters because you don't know where in the story that you watched at the first season this part went to. So in some cases, you'd have a character that's almost like doki-doking over another character. And you're like, but wait, where in the story was this to know if they got close enough or not or what? It's The original series is a lot about these characters and their friendships, but there is also relationships in there as well. There's a lot of pairings. And a lot of, you know, people that, a lot of the characters that make confessions. And so when you're jumping around so much, I think the only indicator that I really had was if uh, Mia <laughs> Miyamura had his hair cut or not. Then I could at least know what part of the show it was in. But other than that, I don't know when these segments were. So I don't know which characters were with each other to what extent. Um, so it does feel very scattered. I still love it though. Like I, the only reason that it doesn't bother me is that I love. These characters, like all of these characters I love so much. So seeing more of them is fantastic. But at the same time, there is quite a bit of these segments that are very shrug. Um in the end, it just makes me really badly wanted to go watch the first season again, which I didn't get a chance to, but I really badly wanted to go back <laughs> like just watching this, like I just want to go back and watch the original series. Screw screw these cut content. I just want to go back to the first season again because I love this I love this series so much. The characters are the Hori mia for those who don't know, is a fantastic series. Please go watch the original series is a super good series but um this felt very this felt very random I have to admit it might it's probably one of those things where I don't know if somebody could possibly turn this into a fit this ep, like watch this episode of Horimiya and then watch I don't know the second half of the third episode because like I said yeah. some of the episodes were were segmented of different parts of the original series so it's not like you can say watch
1: episode one of Mia, then watch episode three of Mia peace it's very scattered. sorry what no it was a side comment it involved in something similar to this but oh yeah i just um it's still a great series i
0: still love it um highly suggest it but at the same time it this segment was a, b- a bit scattered and some of them weren't as funny moments but i still love it hurry me in peace ayaka this is another one that's not going to be very long because I have nothing really to say about this show. But yes, Ayaka, a story of bonds of wounds and wounds. Sorry, bonds and wounds. Uh, Yeah, this one was done by uh, the original creator of, of the K-series, Gora. But it's basically about this guy named Yukito. And he lived on this island, which is, I think, if I remember correctly, it's three islands total. And at some point, this volcano is erupting. Like, this spirit of this fire dragon is gaining too much power because the water dragon's slumbering or something, so it's not offsetting it, yin-yang, all that kind of stuff. And uh, everybody's evacuating the island. Uh, Yukiko, Yukito, his father, runs off to stop the dragon, and he's sent off to, by the will of his father, to live on the mainland for a while, but then be brought back at some certain point, which ends up jump forward in time. This uh, Jinji guy who's like a childhood friend of of Yukito who always kind of looked after him shows up and bra- drags Yukito back to the islands where he's reunited with everybody that he doesn't know and told that he can become these one of the, they basically call these leyline maiden people, which basically they use ley powers to fight, uh, spirits that get corrupted and turn into bad things. Mitamas essentially can become corrupted and then they become bad mitamas. And then they use their ley powers to beat them up and save the day. Um, he goes around the islands to meet all the different ley line users, magic users. You have Aka, who is like the, I use, I consume the Mintamas, the evil Mintama cores, so that it can become more stronger, which is actually a bad thing to do. You have the more by the books, how the tradition is. Um, Haruki Aki, who is against Aka using the Mintama powers that way. And then eventually uh yukito over time has to learn how to control his his line powers because in the past he has hurt people because they became overwhelming him and nearly drowned friends and so he's afraid of getting close to people so yeah that's um that's ayaka very boring it's a very boring show which really sucks because the whole reason i watched this of course is because i liked k-series i really really like k-series it did a great job of kind of Balancing, yes, a lot of pretty boys, but with a core concept in there that was actually interesting, which was for that show was the gangs. You know, you had basically each of the groups and they had their gigantic swords because their leader in the middle wrecks these huge swords and they fight each other. Um, They had a lot of cool stories in there that I really enjoyed. The main character having a really cool concept behind him. Uh, This one just wasn't there. Like, yeah, You technically have the factions and the idea that you have Akka's group, you have Haderaki's group, you have technically Jinji in the middle, which is just kind of a freeloader. But they're just boring. Like, it, it's just, every character's an archetype. Jinji is the Genki. Aka is the super
1: dark death, dark,
0: dark, I'm edge boy. You have Haderaki's the the super good traditional guy. And fight Matamas And then eventually the most uh, obvious obvious plot twist the end was super obvious and it just kind of concluded with obvious ending it it it, it, kind of one of those things where shows like this are always very a struggle for me because from the get-go when you look at the the cover art you see obvious aspect this is a bunch of pretty boys and they they're super pretty and then you hope that there's a story underneath there and like i said k-series pulled it off but this one another series by gora did not this was super Super boring. Like, it's super boring. Um, but yeah, a, a massive disappointment. But at the same time, I don't know why I had any sort of um, expectations for it, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's Akka. Check that out. If Check out Ayaka if you, if you like pretty boys, I guess. Uh, we're going to do that last. So, next one we have, after scrolling through a million characters, is Atelier Riza Ever Darkness and the Secret Hideout the Animation. Or Ryza, no Atelier Yami no yoto, himitsu no kake, uh, rage, rega, rega. This one follows Raiza Stout. And Raiza Stout is living on this island. Um, seems to be, it's the Kirken Island, I'm sorry. Specific Kirken Island. And she's super thick, by the way. She has very big thighs. Um, she's super thick. And her parents want her to, hopefully one day... Um, take over the farm that they've been raising. But she's too. she wants adventure. She's only stuck in a farm. So she ends up dragging Lint, her friend, and Tao to go off on adventures together and eventually ends up running into this traveling merchant who is um, carrying two individuals. One is an alchemist and one is a bodyguard of the alchemist. And Lint wants to be a warrior, so he wants to be trained by this bodyguard. Tao wants to learn more about these... Uh, scriptures and stuff that he has been passed down through generations. But unfortunately, at some point in the generations, they did not pass down how to translate the stuff. So he's got to figure out how to translate these books that are in the library of his family. And he knows that Impel, the alchemist, knows how to translate them. So he wants him to help him. And Riza realizes how cool alchemy is, and she wants this alchemist to teach her how to do alchemy. And so they keep pestering these two uh, traveling individuals to teach them how to do this stuff. Uh, they get put on just like this little trial in order to figure out if they're, you know, worth even teaching. And it kind of turns into this whole thing where through learning about, alch- through Riza wanting to learn how to do alchemy, through Lent wanting to become stronger, through Tao wanting to uh, learn more about these books and learn about these scriptures that were passed down through generations, they're learning about the world and the people around them and essentially gaining purpose in the society because it's kind of the the three basically scamps of the of this the city everybody feels that they're just a bunch of kids that are not going to really amount to much there's a lot of lack of any expectations for them um again like i said technically some of them lent's father's a jerk he's like a a failed adventurer or something like that so he's just a deadbeat um again taos technically lost his parents that were supposed to pass on this information to him you have ryza which again the expectation is to become a farmer, but she doesn't want to have anything to do with that. She wants to adventure. These three that the the village didn't really care much for suddenly helping the village and seeing what's around them. Essentially, like this whole like the one I mentioned last time in the first impressions. This whole scene where Ryza is, you know, ends up stumbling upon this old lady and goes, "Well, you it looks like you're hurting. Try out this 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 healing potion that I've that I've created through alchemy, and it ends up helping the old lady. And then she learns about you know, the past uh, scamps of the of the village, essentially like this whole generational thing where, yeah, technically every generation has kids that are, you know, kids. Uh, It it, it all comes down to kind of that aspect of a show where you don't really expect much out of it, but you still have some good stories kind of told in there. And I think a lot of my enjoyment from the series was really in the aspect of one, finding purpose, finding joy in your surroundings, but additionally having that aspect of you know, just essentially becoming a part of society in a way that is more, more enjoyable to yourself. Like this is something that you want to do. You're finding your own route in life and it does that pretty well. Do I think it's great? No, <laughs> this is not like a fantastic story and there's no like nothing like super, you know, uh, mind bending here. It's just kind of very relaxed, fun enjoyment of kids finding purpose. It's not it's not like a, a a fantastic story. It doesn't really have a crazy animation. It does a really good job of trying to highlight a tell your th- uh, Rice's thighs, but for the most part it's just kind of it's just an okay show. Um I do feel like it does come up to a really good wrap up point at the end of it. Didn't really get as far as I was kind of hoping it to get because it of course being based on a RPG, not like you're going to be able to cover much of the story because these RPGs go on and on and on. But I think it had a pretty solid um, climactic moment, you know, a big victory at the end of it that I thought was really solid. But yeah, it's um, it was just a solid, okay show. Uh, again, kind of another one that goes in that five or six area. It's not like a go out of your way to go watch it, but if you if you want thick thighs and I forgot throwing potions, it'll be enjoyable. I forgot Lint's dad was a kind of a jerk. <laughs> Deadbeat. He does something cool in the he end. Did. He is. Cool. He does something cool. <laughs> just put the sword outside oh dad um yeah it, it it's good it, it's, it's it's a good show overall it's a good show but yeah i easily the most comical show when it comes to how far they go out of the way to make sure Ryza's thigh thighs getting shots every two seconds like it's just random like a random episode opens up and and is trying to get some information from impel the alchemist and she's just like every shot it just keeps jumping to her thighs as she step. every time she's like takes one step cut to the thighs step change back to the end of the character okay she's gonna move like a step again cut to the thighs <laughs> or like we were joking about with like that first episode where you have like Riza, lint and tau are walking by each other tau really short lint's tall he's a tall dude and then rises like right in the middle but yet somehow they managed to have these three characters walking side by side with each other in a way that you can see each one of their heads but still see ryza's thighs like they they've they, they just, they changed the proportions of the characters so much just to get Ryza's thighs in there. Um, but there was a lot of shots like that where it just feels like, okay, these three are walking side by side. Their heads, the level of their heads should not be equal. Um, you'd have to get a really crazy perspective shot to get that. And again, you would have to have Tao closest to the camera Ryza in the middle and linked at the end in order to be able to pull out that shot. Um, it just, it, a lot of weird perspective choices, but it's not a bad looking show. And, uh, her thighs are good looking they did a good job on her thighs that's my point so yeah Atelier tell your thighs, uh, um, i still like the franchise i'm i'm kind of hoping this will get a second season cuz like i said it's, it's it's a good show it's a good show just not not crazy good it was definitely most enjoyable of the alteliers that i've watched so far my be because of the thighs Masamune-kun's Revenge, let's move on. Masamune-kun's Revenge
1: are the second season of Masamune-kun's Revenge. Back. You should go back and and, and watch uh, Sonico. I think that's what, why Super Sonico? Yeah. With the pockets? With the pockets. <laughs> I, I think I finally understand the pockets now. You're okay because with the pockets? Wait, wait, so you've come to accept the pockets? Because of... Right, Ryza. I understand the pockets. I do understand. You understand that
0: this is, it's literally a bullseye to the thighs. Exactly it what it is. It draws your attention. I understand
1: it. You now, now
0: understand it. It took you what? <laughs> Only five, ten six years. years? It was a long time <laughs> ago. Anyways, Munikun's Revenge R. Yeah, this one's a harem comedy romance school show, And It's essentially the second season of uh, Munikun's Revenge, which essentially the opening of the first season is the idea that Makabe is going to school. He has a target. He wants to get with romance, swoon over, and eventually get a date with Aragaki, which is a girl at his school. Now, the reason why he wants this is because he's been spending the last, I forget how long it was, probably eight, 10 years of his life, trying to get super fit, super hot, turning down all carbs, working, working out daily to get the perfect body, looks super good. Because he used to be a chubby little kid. When he was a kid, he was this chubby kid that got bullied all the time. And this Aragaki, this rich girl, kind of saved him, was friends with him for a while. But then one day when he was seeking her help, she called out the window and said, get out of here, pig's foot or something like that. Call him a pigfoot. And that traumatized him so that he's dead set on for the last eight years to spend his whole life purpose to getting fit, getting hot, get on a date with her, And then exact his revenge by dumping her on the spot. Cause you know, I had done that before. I was, I was bullied when I was like really young and I thought, you know, I'm going to spend eight years of my life doing nothing, but getting fit to get back at this girl. It's really stupid. I know it's a dumb concept anyways. Over the period of time of the first season, it's really that whole aspect of him trying to get closer and closer to Adagaki all the entire time, talking about how he's going to get his revenge on her. There's a little bit of that doki-doki, am I really going to go through with this kind of thing? A lot of side characters getting introduced, like Koiwai, who is the maid of Adagaki, and her helping out Makabe get his revenge. So she's giving a lot of the insider information with her, getting her close to her. Um, eventually, we had the introduction of um, somebody that was claiming to be Makabe when he was younger, because Makabe's. Has a new person, uh, a new persona. He's trying to make sure that Arakaki doesn't know that he was the, the chunky kid from their childhood. Somebody ends up showing up claiming to be that chunky kid and trying to get close to Arakaki, and so that kind of added a different um, me- mechanism to it as well. He's like, I know that's not him because that's me. Uh, but he doesn't want to. see he doesn't want to reveal his identity. So, going in the second season, they go on a field trip to another to Paris. They end up running into some a taku girl that wants to draw manga. So she ends up getting Makabe and Aragaki to act like they're dating. And then eventually it slips out. Aragaki's experience with this chunky kid ends up revealing a big mystery around that whole situation, essentially getting Aragaki's perspective of what happened back then, uh, which does not obviously uh, line up with what Makabe experienced. Then it kind of turns into a battle with the, the person that's claiming to be Makabe from the past and eventually going into the conclusion, which, yes, this is, I mean, unless they're, unless they figure out some way of dragging it out more, this felt like a very concrete ending of the series. So, yay, ending of a, of a slightly haremish, not really heavy harem type show, but um, yeah. Visually okay. I like a lot of the character designs, uh seiyus and all that are really fantastic in the series. I, I like a lot of the characters um, and their personalities. I obviously forced myself to watch the second season because I hated the first season. I really hate the concept. I think the the concept behind this whole thing is super dumb. Um I think that whole concept of him getting this one comment made about him in the past and him devoting years of his life to get revenge on this girl is super stupid. Um, but I, I kind of stomached it with the first season and the end just didn't really care much for it. But I just kind of dabbled a little bit in the second season to see if it, it possibly was pushing towards a conclusion so that I can just get that story wrapped up in my mind and move on with my life. And I, and I, I think I felt like, um, a little ways into it. Like, wow, this could actually conclude. And so I stuck with it and, While I'm okay with the ending, (laughs) there is aspects of it that were extremely obviously going to happen that I don't fall for anymore. I'll just say that. I don't want to spoil what's happening, but for those that know me might be able to draw the conclusions here. It does something that I really hate with these types of shows. Um, Love triangles and stuff. It tries to to misdirect you a little bit, but then it kind of is super obvious that it's not going to do that. And so it feels like a very cheap method of trying to i guess hit the what ifs and i hate it when it does that because it just sounds it just seems so disingenuous but um it's just one of those aspects where it tries to paint something as being the obvious conclusion but then they don't technically do that because they have to go the usual safe route so it it was a satisfying ending but at the same time i didn't i i thought it was just dumb the later arc of it felt really dumb and it kind of leaves a a little bit of a stain there that I didn't particularly care for, but it's a solid series overall. I, I think there is a there's a bit of a charm with the characters themselves, Makabe, Aragaki, um, and Koiwai. I think they're the chemistry between those characters does get a lot of uh, get some really fun moments going here and there. But I think overall the story itself just didn't really. It's essentially the here and nows. All driven by a dumb backstory is really what it is. Like, it, this is like the most stupid backstory drug out romance comedy I've ever seen. You typically, I mean, you get like the Nisekoi's, you get the uh, quintessential quintuplets, those like, here's the picture and who is in the picture kind of uh, dragged out stories. Um, they did the same thing with the couple of cuckoos. It's one of those types of things where there's a driving force, there is a happening in the past. This is probably the stupidest one. And so when they get around to that whole thing of like, Oh, now we're going to finally reveal it. It, it feels, it feels dumb, but it doesn't take away from the current time characters and the chemistries they have, which does turn into some fun moments. So, I'm very mixed. I guess in the end, I I really do come down to very mixed. I just realized that we have a suggestion spot in this. It was the first season that long ago that we were still doing suggestions back there. For those that don't know, we used to do, when we used to do reviews. We used to do if you like this show, you'll like this show uh, segments of our reviews, and it has on there Nisikoi, Snafu, and and Toradora. Um, yeah, don't touch Tor- uh, Snafu. <laughs> <laughs> I'll change that one. Uh, Chris can decide if he wants to change the Nisikoi one off of there. In the end, like I said, it's. It's not that the show's bad. Um, it's like a... It probably goes in the six area for me. I, I, there's just so much of it that really does frustrate me about it. it. It feels malicious at a lot of times, but it still comes out to a good show in the end, I guess. Babaka. <laughs> I felt like I was leading up to a Babaka. Malevolent Spirits Part 2. Um, this was done by Bandai Namco Pictures, Sources of Manga, Action Supernatural uh, for those that missed the first part, or it essentially follows Hioma, and he is somebody that exercises Tsukumogami, which are basically items that get that have essentially been possessed by a spirit and they become their own entity. And while most of the Tsukumogamis live amongst humans fine, some of them go bad and they have to be exercised or sent off whatever, and Hioma is part of a group an elite family that goes out and exercises those. And at the beginning, Hiyoma really hates Tsukumagami because they killed his, his two siblings and his, you know, sensei is like, you know, you can't be doing that. So I'm going to send you off to Botan and hopefully you can correct your, your ways of hating Sukumagami because Botan is actually a girl that is special in a way that the fate of her future can pretty much tilt the scales of humankind and Tsukumagami. So she's kind of kept separate from everybody, even though everybody wants her. Um, she lives amongst um, basically an entire like marriage spread, like all these gifts that typically would be given in traditional marriages um, of Sukumagami. And so they're like a family that protect her. And so it's great for Hyoma because he's having to deal with the fact that he has to learn to trust them, basically. If these are good Tsukumagami. You can trust Tsukumagami. Not all Sukumagami are bad. And so he spends time with them and eventually people come after Botan and fights break out and all that kind of stuff. Getting the second season, uh, I was kind of surprised that we we actually got into the, essentially the key trigger point of why Hioma hates the uh Tsukumagami so much, which is the umbrella Tsukumagami, uh this paper umbrella that killed his siblings. And they kind of quickly jump into that. We get into why Botan is so special that she has this thing that's still within her that is again something that both sides want. Sukumagami want to use her, the humans want to use her, that kind of stuff. Uh, so it quickly does kind of dive into, I guess, the bigger plot line around Hioma, which was kind of surprising. I figured that was gonna be like one of those Shonen things where you don't get into that until like, you know, a hundred thousand chapters later on. Um, it still does technically have those trappings of Shonen in the idea that there's a lot of like, oh, Hioma's gotta get stronger now because he obviously got beat. You have the you know the the power levels and people getting stronger and oh by the way, Hioma, here's this thing that'll unlock your more and more power for you. Um, you have the ultimate goal. You have the factions, all those kind of things that you typically get from a, a shonen series. But kind of underneath all that stuff is Hioma, his trust of the Tsukumagami, especially those that are around Botan and his desire to protect Botan. And they're wanting him to get married to Botan, obviously. <laughs> wanting, wanting them to be husband and bride. I think the thing that this set, kind of sets this aside from your typical shonens though, is I, I think it's a lot more... Obviously, being modern day, a lot more focused around, I guess, I, I almost want to say more mature. Uh, a mature shounen because this is technically like university age characters and stuff like that. But at the same time, it still has the the main character still kind of trapped back there. <laughs> like, it's like everybody around Hyoma is like older and characters seem to be a lot more mature. But Hyoma is still the, the one that is quite immature and very single-minded. He still has the trappings of a dumb, very driven main character. Like this is my whole purpose in life is to get revenge on this paper umbrella and I have to get stronger and I'll fight to protect. And every time there's like a deep situation that's happening, he's literally just being dumb about it, <laughs> like they they'll think that it, they offend Hioma and he'll run off, and they'll think, "Oh crap, we gotta go, we gotta go talk to him because he's obviously upset about the situation." And he's like, "No, I've been training the whole time. What are you talking about?" Oh, oh, oh. It, he he does still have very juvenile shonen main character trappings that it doesn't really shed, but it's a lot more grown up type of shonen. So it, it it's not quite in that same area of, as a lot of other more childish type shows, uh, even if it has the trappings. And I. And I think that's one of the things that does kind of give it a little bit of better flavor. I do like a lot of the characters, a lot of the more kind of grim and uh, dire situations they are put in that does feel a lot more heavy in a lot of sense. Um, a lot of the fights are really intriguing and interesting. I, I do like the, con- I've always liked the concept of Tsukumogamis and we've had obviously a lot of shows around them. I mean, yes, we even have like ecchi shows like, um, what was that Tsukumomo, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, this is a lot the second was like the edgy version of it. But this is kind of just be more serious shounen type of a version of it. Um, I, I think the second part was definitely a lot stronger than the first part. I, I think the first part was fine. It was a lot to, it was a lot to introduce uh, Botan's family and uh, what the Nakatsuki do, which is their whole purpose is to dictate who is what which Tsukumagamis can be uh can coexist in humanity so they'll they'll find Sukumagami and they will test them to see if they are dangerous or not and if they are not then they will pretty much register them as being able to live amongst humans and that was kind of interesting there's a lot of hatred towards them as a group because of that because they hold too much power um again a lot of that aspect of trying to keep balance with botan and how people want um to have her for power I, but i think the second season is where it's kind of ramping up it's getting into the paper umbrella it's getting right into that whole that whole conflict which leads into a pretty a pretty cool little um betrayal which kind of sucked but at the same time was pretty cool and then ultimately to a big fight and a big massive reveal um not that it kind of concludes much but it does kind of bring light to the overall story and what the the bigger focus is going to be in the future if they possibly have another season or if you go read the manga so they, that is sort of that, oh, that, that unfortunate thing at the very end, if it doesn't get another season, it's going to feel unfinished. But at the same time, it was, a, it was a fun ride. I, I can't say this is like a, a, a standout, amazing shonen. but at the same time, I haven't been like super into battle shonens in a while. And this one had enough in there to make it feel a little bit more mature and probably a lot more appealing to me as being somebody that's kind of getting away from a lot of that stuff. So yeah, take that, take that for what you will uh visually not great in the fight scenes themselves but the, the, but they did enough that it still felt pretty epic it's kind of one of those things where i think they did a pretty good job of hiding their lack of animation like later on when you get like subaki and she's going crazy which was super fun um i i kind of watched the episode and went holy crap that was pretty cool subaki went crazy and then afterwards i'm like oh i want to grab some you know some footage and throw it onto twitter and say holy crap that was cool but then I'm like Okay, it wasn't that cool. So, like I said, it kind of it kind of highlights that aspect of where it's you, you think it at the moment. It does a pretty good job of hiding it, but it's not that great. So, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, can't say that it's like an amazing shonen s type of show, but it's kind of it's got those trappings and enough to make it enjoyable. So, I I, I suggest if you're looking for a any of that any of that kind of concept appealing to you. Sweet, sweet reincarnation, sweet reincarnation. I don't know why. I popped my head okashi na tensei and this one is on Crunchyroll, done by synergy sp based on a light novel fantasy gourmet slice of life and this one follows as you're reminded every single episode a guy that was a pastry candy foods chef person who was doing a competition and made this gigantic chicken uh out of like candy and then the chicken fell on him and killed him so he's that guy by candy chicken and he pops up uh, reborn into another world where he is Pastry Mortalin, because you know how you like to call your children Pastry. And he is the son of Casserole Mortalin, as you call your children Casserole. And Casserole is like a hero, a war veteran, a, uh, and he also, he's been tilling this, this, uh, this land for, for like 20 years, along with everybody in the local area to make a fruitful land that they can live in And he's like the lord of the land itself. And eventually people start attacking the land. And this queen is like devising people to go in there and cause mischief. And Pastry's helping his dad stop them. All the while, Pastry really badly wants to make a land of pastries and sweets. Even though his dad wants him to grow up to eventually lead an army to protect the land's and pastry gets caught up in a lot of stuff he at some point he does his coming of age ceremony where some people with capacity could possibly gain abilities and he gains the ability to replicate things that he sees so he can replicate skills and stuff and um yeah eventually gains a waifu and fights bad corrupt royalty your thoughts what was it how do you feel about pastry mortal adventures to make us a land of sweets and by the way, he's he got squished by a chicken.
1: Yes, Did you yes, catch that. Uh huh. Okay, I'm make sure. I I'm pretty sure I caught that. I I might have missed it though. It, what did you see? Like twelve or thirteen? I think it was th- twelve times. I I, I don't it was know. Says, wasn't it? I, I I I may have seen it twice in the first episode. Oh, you accidentally restarted it. Maybe I. It was either that or they did the clip and then they told the story. Hey, mm. I, I I don't remember um what was that
0: other show that did that that was that one show where it kept showing that he got stabbed like over and over again <laughs> like every episode <laughs> opened up with him getting stabbed it's like yeah so yeah you um, got stabbed that was last that,
1: season yeah wasn't that
0: the one where he like goes to the other dimension and and is is like levels up and then gets reverted back his age wasn't it that show where he was he protected the two the two
1: girls he was protecting the two girls yeah. and you were
0: excited because the two girls you thought maybe were in the yeah actual... it was the other it was the princess and the and the the daughter of the duke um, so Anyways.
1: yeah, anyway, sweet reincarnation. This is how this is the show that we're supposed to be re, <laughs> re-, re- um, reviewing or something. <laughs> Let's talk about either one of them. Um, I liked it. I, I actually did get kind of a kick. It, it, I, I was really enjoying the fact that it was kind of this build your own, uh, build your, your city type thing. And it was trying to take it from a different angle. Um, with with Pace not really wanting to be involved in a lot of that, but he wasn't really shying away from the um the the war type stuff. He's I, the kind of character that's
0: like he's cooking something and suddenly the door there's somebody screaming from outside and he's like, God he turns off the flame and then go puts down his gloves, puts down his apron and goes out there and puts his fighting gloves on and says, All right, let's do this. I have I, to protect it, my sweets.
1: Yeah, and and <laughs> It, it kind I have of, to
0: protect the sugar shipments.
1: I I kind of like that they kind of didn't really downplay that aspect of it. Um, so that that is one thing that I did enjoy. I actually found his drive for the sugar stuff to be a bit much. Um, it it I I get his obsession thing with it, and and that's kind of his kind of quirk for a lack of a better term but at the same time it did kind of become overly obsessive it, it was almost unrealistic to a point and that that kind of took me away from it but it i understand that that's what gives him his drive and that's the whole point of who he is so take it for what it is i that's where i kind of m- more fell irritated with it but i did like a lot of the cool things that they did the the political intrigue the um his his kind of pitting his for lack of a better term <laughs> like he took a intelligence of him holding on yeah. to
0: her <laughs> and gave it to her and then later on you see it on the wall it, it's like that queen is so freaking soon dead. she's not a
1: she's not a queen she was a marquee or something yeah, like that no. she wasn't quite the queen Queen swing. I don't. care. But either way, I I didn't like a Eli- lot. I did enjoy a lot of the political intrigue. I did like the fact that he was using the sweets to kind of bring happiness to the world, rather than um uh. You know, it it, it was it was more than just a an aspect of just por- part his character quirk. It was actually doing something. These characters were like. I have never tried this before. Now, using it as a way to reconsider your previous misdeeds is slightly much, but whatever. I think it's I, part I of it was pretty cool with the one where
0: he, he, the guy's seen a failure and he kind of... That I thought like, was cool. Yeah, it was like, that's stupid cheesy, but okay, you got me. <laughs> okay, that was dumb, but sure, I like it.
1: But yeah, I... I all in all, I think I just like this just a little bit more than uh, than I disliked it. So, yeah, it, it's it's up there on my list. I got, I thought it was more funny. The idea of like, hold
0: on one second, goes over there, and makes a <laughs> like extravagant pie and this shows up. All right, it's done. It's like, wow, it was quick. Uh, yeah, I. I'm very mixed on the show. Visually, not great. I mean, the, the, it seemed like they got better, unless I'm just I got used to it at some point. But especially early on, it was like ugh, ugh, ugh. A lot of the wonky character designs. But overall, it's it's enough to make a show, I guess. Um, I'm I'm mixed overall, honestly, because it, it it is one of those shows where, yeah, I like the the core concept that I think it was going for is this idea of, yeah, obviously. It's supposed to be about a pastry chef going to another world and wanting to make sweets everything. He wants to make a land of sweets, as I joked about, that he says all the time. But at the same time, I don't think it... My hope from that was this idea of build a nation, which is what's the best way to fund this land and make it rich? Well, in a world where people don't really have good sweets and stuff, like he literally goes to Broche and she's like, well, how do you like the cookies because they're known for these cookies and he eats it and he's like oh that's nasty i can make something better it's like obviously it implies that this world doesn't really have good sweets so how can he make a fortune and make the land that his father cultivated a huge success is literally make sweets that he can then export to other places and make a fortune and thus gain power it fills the role that his father wants and it fills the role that he wants but it never got there Like it just, it kind of just turned into constantly people, basically cutthroat nations. Everybody, all the leaderships are at each other's throats. There's constantly people encroaching on other people's lands and casserole and, and his son, Pastry, having to get involved. And for some reason, Pastry always having these extravagant plans, even though he was a pastry chef in the previous world. That's probably the only thing that where you have to kind of suspend your disbelief a lot. Otherwise it gets really annoying very quickly is... He, yes, you understand that he's a pastry chef, so you understand when he makes good food, but why is he, you know, exacting these really crazy plots of a command and, and commanding people to do all these different maneuvers to take out enemies that are coming in when he was a pastry chef and he's, he's exacting all these, you know, he's going and meeting with all these leaders and, and tricking them into all these things, which yes, partly is because, especially like Broche even kind of points it out. I was I came in here expecting this was a kid, and I got caught off guard and so he gained the upper hand in the conversation. but that still doesn't explain why he's constantly one upping everybody and it's like this is a pastry chef. How does he know how to cultivate land and how to better crops when he was a pastry chef? He wasn't a farmer um uh, there's a lot of it's a lot of suspension of disbelief on how smart this guy is. I mean my assumption is that he might have been like a maybe he was a history buff and so it's like one of those aspects of they They employ, you know, strategies that they learn from history books from like, you know, like feudal Japan or something like that into current whatever thing they're currently facing. But it's not that it bugs me, but I do admit that you have to have some suspension of disbelief there. Um, Overall, I think the show is fine and it was more enjoyable than I kind of gave it credit for from the first couple episodes impressions. But at the same time, it is one of those shows where in the end, after it's all said and done, I don't feel like I got anything from the show. Like, it is one of those shows where I feel empty at the end of it. Like, what was the point of all this? Like, I I didn't feel fulfilled, I guess is the best way to put it in the end. I think that Pastry, when he's at his best, even though you do have to suspend your disbelief, when he is pulling the rug out from other people, like I said earlier, with this whole idea of him taking this picture of Broche without her realizing it. And then that aspect of her sort of liking it, even though it seemed like she's angry. Um, there is like some goofy, odd chemistries in there here and there, but it's, it is one of those shows where I, I don't know that I got anything out of it in the end. It's like one of those shows where I know, ask me in a week and I'm probably gonna go, what show was that? It's like super forgetful. So, or forgettable. So i don't know if you agree him
1: and and brioche was probably easily the The fun part one of the best best uh pairing nasty lady and just conniving little kid, (laughs) a a dude inside there i mean i actually would have liked i would have liked her to take him under his wing her wing i i I think that would have been fun to to kind of see them too
0: yeah for sure do you do agree though do you feel like this one of those shows where at the end of it do you feel satisfied like do you feel full no
1: (laughs) <laughs> no not at all i and and i'm not i'm not even i i, I don't even feel like it has its uh, moments
0: like i think the I, I, around Chris is really cute like her not feeling like she's she should be there she has a lot of insecurity because she has this kind of i'm not the she first has first born a second si- yeah, yeah the second sister type of
1: uh it it is confidence it's, it's one of those that i i absolutely agree i i that is in it the, in a nutshell, the best way to describe what I felt after all this, because I don't want to put it at at the top, but at the same time, I did enjoy watching the show. I, I, there was a lot of things that I did enjoy coming out of that show. I, um, the, 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 the magic system is slightly interesting. Um, there's the, like I said, the only thing that I can come away with going, Man, the only thing that really irritated me was his weird obsession. I know he's a pastry chef, and he wants to make it, a land of sweets. <laughs> but he, yeah, constantly going on about the the sweets. Okay, I get this that you want to make a land of sweets. I liked the fact that they were building a nation. I that is the coolest thing that I got out of that. Um, I kind of get get a kick out of the fact that Dad was an, was completely inept at re. re reinvigorating the land until his son is suddenly born and boom, everybody is randomly uh, working on getting everything together. So it's there. There is the things that I do kind of like, but at the same time, what do I come away from it with? He's obsessed with sweets. That's it. I it's frustrating. There's cool stuff in there, but there wasn't really anything that I could go, man, it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill enough for how obsessed he is with the sweets. It's like,
0: it's like it, it almost doesn't play a. It's like you don't want it to play. You don't want it to be front and center, but at the same time, you're acknowledging that it's front and center enough that it should have some sort of effect on the story. And it does, like I said, technically making candies and and winning over all the, um, the different uh lords of the different lands over these sweets because they're obviously going to be extremely delicious. But at the same time, it's like. But is there a point to it? It's almost like that argument that I make of the why isekai. This idea of, okay, how are you going to use the fact that they're isekai? And this is almost an argument for that. Yes, he does introduce the sweets of our times and mixtures and stuff like that to create sweets in a land that is very dull with flavor. But it does it matter that much? No. No, it doesn't really to the overall plot line. It's more of his connivingness of, of tricking people in their negotiations that actually wins him over it's how he wins it over roche by just kind of flipping the table on her when she was expecting that he was going to be a dumb little kid that's what wins them the battle it's his replicate ability that's what wins him a battle when he's trying to save licorice it's his ability it's not his obsession with sweets so what's the point in bringing up the fact that he's a pastry chef i don't know It, it it again in the end it's kind of unfulfilling in that regard maybe maybe it needed another season probably so so that we can see him build that land of sweets. <laughs> anyway, that's Sweet and Reincarnation. Yeah. The Dreaming Boy is a realist. Yume Miru Danshi wa ginjitsu hush- Hugisha. Anyways, this one is... Uh, Studio Gokumi and Axis is working on it. Sources of Light, Novel, Comedy, Romance. And yeah. This one follows... Wataru Sajo and he is obsessed with this girl named Aika Natsukawa. And apparently in the past, Aika, when he tripped and fell and dropped his, his lunch and everybody was laughing at him, Aika came by and offered a hand, and ever since then he's been obsessed with her, following her everywhere, constantly asking to go on a date together, let her be, you know, let let, let me be your boyfriend, all that kind of stuff. Once the date are so bad, And she constantly says, you know, leave me alone. You know, no, I'm not going to do that. You're a pest, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, one day, um, finally, this ball nearly hits him in the head, the soccer ball. And she turns and says, are you all right? He's like, yeah, I'm good. She's like, okay, well, you should really stop following me because you're going to get shelf hurt Just leave me alone. And he says, okay. And then from then on, he decides that he is not going to bother Ika anymore. He's going to stay on the sidelines and root for her. He's going to be the ultimate sideline Promoter. he's gonna tell everybody about her how great she is and and make sure that she's happy from the sidelines and very quickly it seems like she's doing really well because it seems like everybody who was once before kind of not going near her because he was always hovering over her are now like talking to her and so she's got a lot of friends now and everything seems to be going good and he's meeting new people uh for some reason just random people just suddenly run into him and start to divulge their problems he suddenly becomes a counselor for some reason so he's helping like this random uh idle, like like the, the most popular girl from a nearby class is comes and starts hovering over him even though she has a boyfriend that she's broke up with um so she helps her with her problem then we have like the disciplinary committee group um their president just randomly pulls him into a room and starts to have him resolve the issues that she's having with her co-highs that have no confidence which is weird again because you totally divulge people's problems to random strangers Uh, eventually we find out that apparently his sister's really mean to him. So she, uh, apparently believes that he has no confidence and thus gave up on Aika because she was constantly degrading him, which I don't, I never caught that part, but apparently she was really mean to him, probably cut content from the light novel. I don't know. Uh, so that argument was weird. Then it goes into him getting a part-time job and helping some girl, um, who's really hard at communicating because she's trying to get out from underneath the wing of her brother who just got a girlfriend and she walked in on them on bed together. And, um, yeah, everything else is a blur after that point, but, um, yeah, (laughs) visually, let's start with visually. Um, it's not terrible. It's like a four or three, like it, it the pvs looked really good but the show overall just eh, it just the character designs were all over the place very wonky very sloppy with the designs of the characters themselves. i didn't
1: care for i didn't i thought it looked bad
0: yeah if chris says that then you know it's i'm trying to be nice but then when chris speaks up that's how you know it's bad um but no it's like it especially like aika i love her character design. super cute i think uh k cute even the sister's cute all the girls are really cute in the show but the studio could not keep it together for the most part, but that aside, doesn't look great. This the story. Um I don't know. I think when I said in my first impression was this idea of like I want to stick with this because it feels like there's something underneath there. There's something hiding. Um I heard a lot of whispers, but I I haven't confirmed myself and I and I'm not sure if it's actually true, but I've heard a lot of whispers that this show is just not a good adaptation. And I think that makes sense to me because my biggest argument was the whole situation with the sister. Yes, the sister had him. She's a student council president. She would sometimes be kind of mean, tell him to like make coffee for her, like bossy and at home. Um, she would have him help bring stuff from home to school, which is like, I mean, yeah, probably being bossy, but at the same time, you would just do it because you want to help her out. I don't see what that's a bad thing. Um, when she tells him to come to the student council room to help them with a bunch of stuff, um, she they were like, oh, yeah, she always talks about how you're really great at all this stuff like accounting and stuff like that. And it's true. You did a really good job here. Everybody's praising him in the student council room. It doesn't feel like he's being bullied, but then people were insinuating that apparently in the source material, both his sister and his mother are like, are super bully to him at home, like degrading him, which makes sense why she would believe that he gave up on Aika because at home they were making him feel pathetic. Like her, saying that he's a pathetic person would eventually lead to him having no confidence and not chase after Aika. So that's what she was upset about. So it kind of makes sense. And as I'm watching it, that seems to be continuously happening because every encounter he has with a different character, it turns into kind of one of those snafu, um, bunny girl, senpai, um, that type of concept where, um, it's, it feels like they're a therapist for different people. Like they listen to problems and they solve it for people. But just super awkward. Like all these conversations make no sense and it feels weird. These conversations don't feel right. They don't feel natural. They feel very alien. They don't feel mature even in a sense. It just feels, it feels weird. Every conversation that these these characters have. And so it does make sense that it's probably just an aspect that the adaptation just sucked. Either the adaptation sucked or the translator sucked. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be translator because I didn't see anybody making hubbub about this Having a bad translation, um, but it could be both. Maybe people didn't care about the show enough to to want to actually look in to see if the translation was correct. In the end, it's like it turns in it turns something that could be possibly very interesting. I think if it's true that this is a story about somebody who has lost all confidence in themselves, which doesn't make sense because it seems like he's very comfortable talking to people, even upperclassmen without problems. But if it is somebody that internally feels like they are not worthy of somebody else, and maybe they are still open to talk to people it would make sense and it would be a lot more interesting of a story. So it is one of those ones where it's like, I almost wonder if this light novel is actually really good. It's just the anime sucked like terribly Um, because it does seem like there could be potential in there for being a really good story. This wasn't it. At least this anime wasn't it. Um, So many, so many awkward scenes that just made no sense. I think the only part that I generally enjoyed was probably the girl that visits. I won't get into details on it, but there's a girl that visits him when he's at the, when he's working at the part-time job, this random girl shows up and they start going out together to the beach and stuff like that. And I thought it was like, I was like, this feels natural. This feels, this feels normal. And and it was like the sense, the semblance of normality in the midst of this, this entire show, I gravitated towards. I'm like, this feels fine. I kind of want these two to be together and just kind of ignore everything else. But then unfortunately, it just kind of gets dragged right back into the everything else. And it's like, ugh, that was like a, a brief moment of feeling like this could be a normally written show. Um, it was actually kind of cute. I didn't like I like that character and I like the chemistry. And and yes, some of this, the goofiness that kind of comes from her. So the rest of it didn't work out too well. So yeah, um, as people joke about um, if you, if you're looking for a, a Walmart brand um, snafu or Bunny Girl Senpai, check it out. But rough, rough show, super rough show. I mean the the only good thing that we got out of it was probably, um, the pee wiggle Aika gif that I I enjoy that came from the the PV. So you can just check out the PV and get the pee wiggle, Ica. She has got this little jiggle thing. She has like a pee. Sorry, I don't know what I'm going with this. Dreaming girl is <laughs> dreaming girl. The dreaming boy is a realist. Check. Yeah, I think that what people were saying was like the whole thing with the soccer ball flying past his head was apparently like this realization moment that it was like a global universal awakening moment where he realizes that he's just not right. Something's not good here. Anyways, reborn as a vending machine. I wonder the dungeon or Hanbaiki ni umare Kawata Ore wa mekyo wo samayo. This one's streamed on Crunchyroll uh, done by studio Gokomi and Axis. Is that true? Do we have two studio goku accesses? in access that we messed it up last time and I didn't change it? I don't know. It's by a studio. Uh, it's a source of light novels. Genres are comedy and fantasy. Who cares what studio? It doesn't look good. Uh, it probably is the same studio because both shoot those, both shows look not that great. Uh, Lamas looks cute, but that's about it. Anyways. Uh, yeah. This follows a guy who's obsessed with vending machines. Um, he's like a vending machine otaku, um, which I can see that being a thing in Japan. But yeah, he's he's driving down the road on his little moped and in front of him is a truck with a a pickup truck with a vending machine on the back of it. And the straps come loose and he turns a corner and somehow he manages to jump off his bike, grab a hold of the vending machine and fly off the cliff with it and dies, obviously. Uh, Or we assume he died. He's reborn in another world as, yes, a vending machine sitting at a lakeside. And goblins come and hit him. And then some girl named Lamas shows up. And she figures out that he can talk by doing um, stock phrases from a vending machine. Like, thank you for your purchase and please come again. And they just start traveling together. And he finds out that he's in a dungeon, a labyrinth, like one of the layers of this labyrinth and there's a village there in the labyrinth and then he starts vending different things he discovers that he can restock changes stock uh basically spinning points from currencies that people give him if he runs out of the currency he might power down and die he doesn't know and then he travels around and solves problems with his vending and changing into different vending machines like you know uh, uh yeah con- a, a dispensary for um um, covers for intercourse and stuff like that. Um, niceties. He inter- turns into a, phenol- a pressure phenol. washer. Yeah, pressure washer. Ice, ice, ice machine. Uh, can distribute balloons. gas. The Balloons. He can distribute gas Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I want to go to Japan and find that vending machine for gasoline. <laughs> Some of the machines is like, there. there's an actual, like, an actual vending machine. Not just, like, a thing that is turned on by the... Um, the owner of the the not location. Not quite sure.
1: I'm not like quite you guys, sure you to why you put like would... a yen into a machine and then you got to get gasoline. Wouldn't not quite sure why you would make a, a resuscitation device. That a was machine. that was the one that I was like, we're pull, we're
0: stretching it. Like I I can see a gas I can see a, a gas pump having a a yen insert because we we technically have where you can put dollar bills and stuff in some of them, but yeah, I don't see that. <laughs> like like crap anybody got anybody got a thousand yen i gotta put it in this thing clear oh, crap. I, 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 wonder, 10, I wonder if they, again?
1: i wonder if they are just they just classify that as a vending machine yeah i don't think not so. necessarily no. that it's a vending machine it's just and you know what classify. i knew
0: that was coming like i at some point in the series i'm like i can't wait till they do that and they did it and i was like really they're doing this and he had to do it himself too, because they he couldn't walk them through it. So yeah. he actually had to pay extra to be able to control the the nodes on the body and everything himself, the the, the connections. It was dumb. I knew it was coming though. I was like eventually that yeah it is. Anyways, what are, what's your what's your thoughts on Reborn as a vending machine? Reborn as a, a Mentos and Coca Cola meme dispensary.
1: Well, I can say this female feminine uh, feminine uh <laughs> Hygiene dispensing machine. I can say this: we were eventually proven right that not everything that is this odd concept is going to make it. I mean, we we were proven wrong with the sword and and the greatest uh, daughteru in the entire world, but obviously Lamis was not enough to save this show. And so Vending Machine is not quite as, as amazing as we were hoping it would be. But I do will say if this. The, if you, do you think if the music and the animation was
0: as good as Reborn as a sword, that the show would, would be able to
1: be as close to that? No, I just think that it, it's not enough. It, it, it's got cool concepts. I like I th- and that's what I think that me and you got off on this random tangent of a discussion at one point. And I I said what I really wish that they had done was I as much as I hate to say this got in his head a bit more. And they sort of do. And that's sort of the, the it's, very it's rare their, interesting thing. Yeah. of It
0: is that insecurity that he has of of helping others there at some point. There, the question comes up is because he gets so close to Lamas, but yet he can't communicate to her. He he struggles to communicate with her. At some point, he even starts to use, like, just the beginning parts of different phrases just to make out actual words. Right. Um, Splicing them together in some way. But there becomes a question where, work like, at some point, could he essentially turn into a person and be able to stand at Lamas' side rather than just be in a box that's always carried by her? But... The fears of doing that, because he, he's, he's questioned at some point, would you want to become a person again? And he's like, I don't know if I want to, because I don't know if I will be as useful to people and people would still want to be around me. It is an interesting concept to be thrown in the middle of there, but I don't know if they, that they, maybe the light novel eventually gets into that. That is technically a, a logical fear that he has. Would Lima still want to be my partner if I'm not dispensing cool stuff that helps them survive? I would just be a person my old self i was useless would i want to be that old self again even though yes i would technically be a human again
1: well that that's an an interesting aspect as well but i was uh in in more reference to kind of the cool stuff that he's got as as far as options for his leveling and yeah. his all that that's stuff what makes is him useful yeah yeah all that stuff in there is is kind of the cool tidbits that i think that kind of delves into the world itself yes there's the cool stratums and the the stratum lords and all that stuff which you're you're slowly digging into those and yeah i guess as he's dinking around uh coming up with these cool i i I guess if you want to call these um solutions to the issues is um involved with him him gaining his abilities all said and done, I mean, it's all going back to almost a, a, a few little tidbits that he's doing over and over again, um, shooting uh, water somewhere, shooting ice cubes, using his uh, balloons here and there, um, the, and like Andrew had joked about, the Mentosin and, and soda uh, incident. It's Insert a coin. Insert yeah. a coin. Insert a <laughs> coin.
0: I thought that was cool. If they actually followed through with it.
1: Some of the some of the s- situations are interesting. I I mean the most touching out of all of the the situations was um uh, The zombie boy don't bring up the zombie, the zombie boy. boy was don't bring that was the messed up. Oh my gosh, that was messed up. It was cool and sweet, but man it was messed up. Uh, I was actually talking about the orphan stratum, um, the the level one stratum, and and all the orphans that got stuck in the in the first floor. I I thought it was really sweet that the uh, the archer lady uh, would go back there to to visit with them. It, it there's there's a lot of cool little things in there that I do actually really like, but at the same time, it's not enough to kind of drag it out of this little mire where it's, it's just sitting there and you, you, it all comes down to. At some point, there's only so many vending machines that you can come up with uh, there. The, you've got to have some more at some point. And I just don't see enough here.
0: I th- I think for me, it comes down to the idea that like, it's an interesting concept. He he's essentially a black box he he's literally this unknown for everybody around him and he can basically become anything and so it's often comes down to what can he turn into to fix a situation and sadly for me like most of those situations like i had like again the joke is the 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 mentos thing that was one of those few times where i was like that could be really cool if they pull this off because it turned into a thing where how do you communicate to them to stick the mentos inside the the soda and it will spray and it it flubbed it like it it really felt like it was really cool how can he explain this in all these generic terms what to do and like i said it was i laughed out loud when they when he kept saying insert coin insert coin i'm like because it makes sense to me it doesn't make sense to them because they don't know what he's trying to say and then they flubbed it and i felt like that was like the one like most like clever use of it and after that it kind of just turned into what different thing can he introduce so yeah again like we were joking about what i think in our first impressions this the lady comes in with the bearer and randomly it's like, oh, well, obviously they need condoms. So it turned into a dispensary for it. And it's like, how do they, how do they know to ask him that? How, What, <laughs> like, what, how do we come up with these kind of conclusions? It, it, it almost kind of turns into just, okay, let me look at a vending machine catalog to find out which one I want to put into this situation next. Crap, we use them all. All right, let's just, let's throw in stuff that aren't actually vending machines. And just because they're machines that do things, they're basically utility machines. If it's a machine that can be portable and dispense something, it's going to be in the show. He's going to turn into It's really what it turns out to not vending machines in general. Um, and a lot of it just feels kind of, it feels kind of shrug. And what kind of comes down to it is, like I said, the, at the core, the only thing that really kind of interests me are some of these, these moments where it does something cool. Like when he first meets Hilmi, I thought that was like a, a pretty cool little moment. I didn't think me was going to die, but it was kind of one of those moments of kind of that deep, sadness there and the idea of him being there in her final moments and trying to give her at least some nicety before she's going to unfortunately have to pass because he can't do anything um even though he could have just barriered and blow up the entire building like he typically does but um it was kind of one of those little sweet spots And like i said technically yes the concept of him being unsure about even despite wanting to be with Lamas, um wanting to be standing side by side with her as a human he's afraid of giving up his utility and being useless um, those kind of things were in there. I liked Michelle. I think Michelle was 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 cool was cool as cool as well, as this this hero that everybody looks up to, but he's afraid of people. Like he's afraid of being around people. Um there's there's cool little stories sprinkled throughout it, but I think it as a whole wasn't that good. Um like overall the story wasn't um super enjoyable. Like a lot of the show I just felt kinda of like I was kind of not not engaging with it It wasn't engaging my brain enough um overall it's, it's got a cool concept it's a very interesting concept it did better than i thought it was initially um i wish it looked better visually i think they used most of their budget on llamas um doing her little exercise in the op
1: i don't know I, you think they maybe killed season... their staff on the op yeah just that one <laughs> little exercise <laughs> of her punching and
0: stuff i'm like wow that's that's better animation than the entire show
1: uh no i maybe possibly in the second season because this has a second season coming the second season does i i do i am excited about another season i i do i will not deny that i i do like it enough that i want to see where it goes from here yeah i i
0: think it has enough potential in there that i i think a second season would be good i i would really hope that they would continue to get into the concepts of him possibly changing back but i don't but they they would lose their it's one of those things where you're like i i you your piece you're you're baiting this idea of him being changed back, but would you do it? Because it would no longer be reborn in a, as a vending machine. Um, reborn once as a vending machine. I, I now am a human wandering. Maybe that's the trick. He was reborn as a vending machine. Now he wanders the dungeon. The title gives it away. He will eventually himself wander the dungeons. Who knows? Maybe that's the whole trick of the title.
1: I don't wow, know. wait. Wait, th- that just got dark. He doesn't say. It now says he we. exactly. He doesn't it doesn't say It just now got we. dark. It got dark. Oh my god. He eventually he's going to lose. I Llamas can't watch, and turn into a human. I, I'm, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it right now. I can't that watch that. I can't implying? watch the second season. I can't. watch He doesn't watch the say second we. Season. It doesn't say we. Can't watch it. I like Lamas too much.
0: Lamasu, Lamasu. Anyways, uh, that's that's reborn as a vending machine. Uh, and finally. Is that the last one, Machiko Tensei: Jobless Reincarnation, second season, part one? Because we have part two in April. Um, how 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 are you holding up, Chris? Are you are you saddened
1: by this break? No, no, no. Wow. The part that I want to get to is so far away; it's not even. No, I, I'm
0: the. Are you? So you are sad that there's a break because you wanted you going to you want to get into this next part, right? Yes, I want to get to the next part. <laughs> it's like I do, but I don't. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, so this for those who don't know, Michoko Tensei is a guy that is kicked out of his house by his his brother because he didn't show up to his his parents' funeral and said he was doing inappropriate things in front of his computer. Uh, gets kicked down the road ends up seeing these this girl and these boys on the side of the road it's going to get hit by this truck he jumps out there to try to stop them and gets hit by the truck gets reincarnated into another world of magic and 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 swords and all that kind of stuff and uh it kind of pretty much just did, says i want to you know do a great life this time my last life i was a neat the whole time living inside my room and not coming out and i hated everybody now i'm gonna do great things in this new world i got magic and everything and Sets on an adventure, gets thrown into a teleportation disaster, teleported into a terrible land of demons and monsters. The Demon Continent travels home with this snotty girl that he was tutoring, and this demon Richard goes all the way home, and then uh, the girl uh, sleeps with him, but then disappears. And he gets depressed by that. And then we jump into second season with pretty much him in a depressed state looking to die but at the same time trying to find his mother who was still lost in the displacement incident and um yeah that's a really good summary sort of there's a lot of stuff in between there (laughs) there's there's quite a bit there's like you know six volumes of stuff in between there but i think i covered it most um so yeah what what do you think of second season which is basically the ed arc yeah pretty much (laughs) this whole part one is the ed arc yeah he has ED. It's not a joke. He, he literally does have ED. Um, he cannot perform in bed, and that, yes, for many people, especially young people, is a very, uh, I would imagine, a very uh, unsettling thing to have to deal
1: with. I liked it. All said and done, um, I think that they did really well. I, they, it wasn't as as top notch as we got in the first season, but it was it was it was functional enough that I I enjoyed. It my... was functional enough. I like that. I I, there was no. I was not intending. That was a good. No, I I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying for all that. Okay, hold on. Andrew, I read into my words.
0: I was not implying that, but you took that off, and (laughs) I'll go with it. But no, functional enough was just a joke of like how how that's so not trying to say that it's not good, but it's not great. It's just it's
1: functional enough. Like, it's good. It's it's working. Like well, OK, I've, I've been I've been I've been listening <laughs> to you th- go. talking about the 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 animation for the, the at least the first four weeks. I heard about it constantly and you were pointing all these things out and it was like, yeah, I think, OK, okay now it stands out count- to me. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> the whole counter arrow part was probably the roughest of it. The first
0: was the first four episodes, right? Yeah. First four episodes weren't were were pretty rough, especially like the triant and stuff. It wasn't good. I mean, it, like I argued, it's like it's still better than like ninety, like uh I would say ninety-eight percent of the anime in the season. Like most seasons, like it's not going to be better than something like Jujutsu Kaisen or something like that. But it's still better than like ninety percent of the, a ninety-eight percent of the the season itself. But it's not. We got spoiled
1: for the first season. Let's just admit it. We got spoiled with the first season. Apparently, super spoiled. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I, and I enjoyed this, this story arc. It, it, it's a, it's a story arc that I, I held pretty close to me. Um, there, there is some other stuff that's coming later that I, I, I am more excited about, but at the same time, this particular arc, I thought they did really well. It, the, the, the moments that needed to be emphasized on they they emphasized on there's a lot of stuff that they dumped off that of -hmm. course is annoying but they they kept the story beats going they got most of the important stuff that they needed to get to the next part is super exciting can't wait so yeah i i enjoyed it
0: yeah i think um i think i was pretty rough no i i i'm not gonna change my mind on it but i i know that i was really rough with the show um, the first uh four or so episodes pretty much again the the whole arc with counter arrow I think it was just it was it was lacking a lot and i I think getting into the university things looked a little better, but I think overall the the biggest miss i think the biggest criticism I have for this core is the directing's just not on point, and I think that's definitely. Um, the change in directors from Manabu to um, Hiroki. Manabu had a passion for Mushoku Tensei, obviously, based on the interviews, the fact that he was working in the script and the directing and everything by himself. He was carrying everything. Like, how the story was going to be laid out and how it was going to be put together, he was handling everything. And I think that was, it overworked him. That's probably why he left. But it showed in the first first season. So I, I do admit that we were spoiled with the first part. I, I wonder... think they lost a lot of... They lost the director. They lost a lot of their talented staff going into the second part, the second season. And it shows because it's not just... Not that I need Sakuga all the time. I don't need crazy animations and stuff. That's not what I'm asking about. My problem is that it feels stiff. It feels flat. It, a lot of the perspective shots and stuff are just not very creative. So you have a lot of shots just dead on with the characters and it's not very creative in that regard. It doesn't feel immersive because the directing doesn't feel like it's even there or trying. I think he's, I think uh, Hiroki is getting better. And I hope that if he does continue to go into the second part, that he will, he will, he will slowly build that craft. I don't, I don't think that he should be fired and kicked out of there. I I have no expectations that Manobu is going to come back. So I'm hoping that Hiroki learns and he gets better and he builds the craft and they maybe bring in more talented people to go in the second part. Because while I'm okay with it, being this toned down with this part because this is this is depression this is rudeus in his struggles this is more slice of life besides things like Body showing up and being goofy um going into the second part we're going to still have more of that slice of life stuff but things are going to start ramping up and i really do hope that that quality and that again directing really starts to hit in there because they're going to fail some of the greatest moments that i've experienced um coming up so i hope that it kind of holds itself together
1: that aside, directing and visuals aside, unless you have anything else to say on that. Well, I was gonna uh, ask uh, because I I didn't mention one of the things that I I am the most frustrated with was the Sylphie reveal. I think yeah. that, <laughs> that that I think the, that that was by by not far, really hard. That, that not very. It was not well, a secret. It, it it's one of those that that. We kind of pointed, or we kind of noticed that with the ending of the first season, ish, whatever you want to call that, the second core, whatever. Yeah, they could have fooled
0: it off, and I, and I and I think that was really a choice by the idea it's a visual medium. It's unfortunately one of those things where I don't think they could have avoided it. People know who the is going to gonna gonna be. People that's... know who's going to. The, the character is visually there, not rather than in a novel. You're not seeing them; you're seeing text i think and it's a visual it's issue.
1: true it's very true that i mean i i always, I mentioned, thought... I always mentioned that they, they could have easily
0: thrown a loop by doing one of the side chapters where um Fitz is greeted that could have easily thrown people in through a loop and i think that would have been super fun but again i don't think i think they chose that based on the fact that it's a visual medium it just wasn't going to translate well it's possible
1: and mean, it, it either way i that is probably my biggest frustration with it i and i, think I they chose
0: that back in the first season because the way they ended the first season i think that was already a choice back then so i don't think it's hiroki's fault i think they decided that back then because it was pretty blatantly obvious at that point really
1: it's possible i i i because either way it's 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 a difficult thing, like we were talking, like Andrew said. It, it being a visual medium, I, I don't know how you could have handled that, outside of actually kind of emphasizing the, the hair color change or the, the glasses or something like that to, kind of imply, hey, this literally is, somebody different until you actually get the reveal. Oh, hey, actually, it's not. It, It is actually me. So yeah it's it's because the the frustration that um i mean Rudy has that back and forth for a long time in his head he's constantly going back and forth on that so it, i and it it should have kind of reflected a little bit more
0: yeah I, I just i think overall story wise um i think Rudy's struggles i think was really well done as much as I have a visual issue and a directing issue with the counter arrow segment, I think that w- they did a pretty good job of Reese's struggle during that time. I think like the whole, the whole segment where he comes back from the luster Grizzlies and just breaks down, I think was really beautifully done. I, I think that was like one of those points where I'm like, okay, this could be really good. This season's going to be awesome. Let's see how we go here from here. Um, I think going into The university arc, while technically he does have kind of like a second wind where he feels like things are going a lot better and he has he has a a focus now, um, I think they did well enough. There's there's a few struggles that he's dealing with that I don't think they portray very well. Like you don't you don't really get a sense of a regular um, update and the idea that he's constantly struggling with the fact that he can't be around certain couples he doesn't like seeing certain people. He doesn't like touching, like Linium Persina messing around with them and him being not wanting to, to to acknowledge the fact that he is attracted to those, even though he can't perform. There's a lot in his head where he is struggling over the fact that he cannot perform, and he doesn't feel he doesn't feel like a person because of it. Um, again, this idea of a manhood at the age of sixteen or whatever, he's obviously going to be very very struggling with that. This idea that I want this, but I can't have it, and it makes me not feel like a man. Um, it, it It goes to the credit, as an anime, just putting aside the source material, as an anime, it is technically hitting on subjects that you just never see really in any other story. This idea that you, it's an isekai fantasy where a guy is struggling with being unable to salute down there. What other the story covers the insecurities and the issues that come with that kind of thing and people around him wanting to help him with it, even if it is an uncomfortable subject? Um, it is a is a true struggle, and it is something that affects him um desperately like like a lot. Now, outside of there, I think all the characters on the side, I think they get a good job of. Body Gotti's episode, I think, could have been a little bit more better animated but it was still it still hit the points i love body Gotti. and i think his introduction was fantastic um they cut most of the side scenes with him after that point that he was introduced which kind of sucks Zenobia, great uh again still lacking in the animation department but still i always enjoy every scene with him in it julie's episode i think was probably the best episode of the whole the whole core um just from an emotional standpoint and everything now again i do kind of attribute a little bit my emotion to that whole scene because of the source material it's something i can't disconnect i'm sorry i can't do that um but i still think it was portrayed well like it still it still hit the same points of it still had the same struggle um the whole aspect of him essentially offering death all that stuff was still was still very raw in in my mind and i i think every scene with julie in it after then it, it really did feel like the, the animators and stuff had like a deep love for julie because <laughs> every scene that julie's in after that's like super cute so i'm um, like I, they they obviously love julie so we're gonna put that little effort extra effort in for for julie herself um outside of that yeah i think um i think overall my only my only true story elements that i think is amiss with this whole core is probably uh a severe lack of inner dialogue of rudeus which i understand that a lot of that stuff gets cut with light novel to anime adaptations i i didn't really feel that too much with the first season i think the first season did a really good balance of every now and then checking in with the inner rudeus and what he feels about a situation um a lot more inner dialogue i think in the first season than the second season and i think that that's it sort of made it into another Isekai with the lack of that inner Rudeus because the inner Rudius is his struggles. It's his very raw thoughts processes that I think are severely, la- severely lacking in this, this second season. And I think that's to the detriment of the story because it turns what is a very raw and very difficult subject-filled storyline in a fantasy world into just another isekai. and that kind of sucks. But it doesn't make it terrible; it just makes it closer to your usual, I guess. In the end, I don't know if you agree. It's hard for me. I, I I've had this discussion with some, a few people because yes, I acknowledge the idea that I had. I watched the anime first season, then I read the novel series past here, then I watched the second season. And what I tell most, and what I keep hearing from people, is that argument of you're just thinking of it from a, seri- uh, a source material standpoint. I'm like, yeah, I can't disconnect that. Everybody wanted me to give my impressions on each episode of Mushoku Tensei until I decided to just do skip content mostly. People wanted me to give like my, my raw thought process on the anime, and I'm like, I can't disconnect myself from the knowledge that I have of the show. Because I'll watch a segment, and my, my mind expands it automatically because I have the, the deeper context. I don't know what's missing because I have the deeper context. And but I can still well, acknowledge you, that I can still go back and watch the first season and still love it. Whereas I have zero desire to watch the second season part one again.
1: I, I think that that is in some, some ways I, I, I agree. Um, I think that a separate body got a episode. <laughs> I think that you're, there is that aspect of, because I'm one of, one of my biggest complaints of uh, every time that I've got the source material basically i've gone through a source material as i always go back to that the inner dialogue is is crucial to a lot of these stories um this is actually in a way you're you're right because now you've got the first the first season let's set that aside because i think that that was a brilliant adaptation of what they could do they they, they balanced it very well they kept the raw moments a, in, in, in besides his in inter- perspective <laughs> yeah they 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 kept the raw elements in when when it needed to be done they used those those moments uh rudy uh, kind of digging into his 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 internal turmoils constantly at the right moments they didn't so it didn't feel like they were even though they technically were they just balanced it well this season, it's – it like you were saying, it's starting to feel more like the, the other adaptations where it's just kind of oh, smoothing over arc. it. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's smooth over a lot of it. We don't necessarily have to dig into it as much as we did in the first season. We know who Rudy is. Um so yeah, it, it it is it is one of those things, and I I've I've complained about it several times. Uh, I, I I bring it up a lot of times. Uh, but my the the and labyrinth, it did this same issue where it just kind of flew by the seat of its pants. It didn't dig into everything with Machio's toying with the the systems. There was a lot of stuff in there that he he was constantly messing with. Um, they kind of just surface level said. Yes, he's doing this, and then moved on because you really want Roxanne, right? <laughs> yes, I want Roxanne, but there was a lot but of I stuff the in there. <laughs> I want the harem of the labyrinth of the other world. Um, it, th- there's a lot of a lot of stuff that is done in these characters, especially the main characters' inner dialogue that is important to these stories. And digging into those things you kind of need to do. Uh, Rudy is constantly talking about j- how how the systems in that world work. Um, and, and that is very crucial to understanding what is going on in the world in general um, because he he does fail a lot of times when he's trying to do things. Those things don't quite work out the way yeah. he's expecting.
0: I, I think the systems and the mechanics, I I don't think I was bothered by much of what was skipped because they skipped a lot of stuff, especially around like how better Rudius explains things versus the school itself and how it kind of fails there. But the battle auras. Skipping Body Gotti talking about the battle auras is like, I can kind of see that is sort of crucial to talk about. Why did we skip that? Um, why are we skipping the progresses of Rudius? Why aren't we talking about the fact that he just became um saint tier earth magi- uh, magician why are we skipping his progress in his abilities because aren't the those are technically important but maybe not important to some people i don't know it's like are we now becoming so surface level about his progress that's technically going to come into play the next time he has a issue to face and he's going out to combat unless we're just gonna go whatever he's casting a spell nobody cares what rank it is i can see that i i can see that some some people just maybe as a director they just don't think that it matters like who cares who cares if he's using a you know, using his skills in, you know, saint tier earth magic to do this or that? Nobody cares what tier it is. We don't care what his progress is. We don't care that he's having trouble, you know, erecting a battle aura. We don't care that he's super fragile. Because we're not gonna ever have his inner dialogue talking about how No, I'm incredibly weak, and thus everybody praising me right now is not good because I could die so easily. And it's so funny because it kind of goes in that whole mentality of some people outraged this this season saying, he's so OP, why would he not flat that entire market? It's like because they're not talking, the anime is not adapting the fact that he, on a regular basis, says, I'm a a glass cannon. Like, I am so defenseless. (laughs) Like, anybody could walk up and cut my stomach in a split second and I could do nothing about it part of it's because of that whole battle or a thing that they technically skipped talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is kind of one of those funny things where it's like, you sometimes see arguments for things and it's like, well, it sort of plays into why I was a little upset. They skipped that segment, but that's just one person, I guess. I don't know how broad people are complaining about things like that. I don't know that, that aside. Um, it, I do struggle with the lack of inner dialogue. I, I almost at some point was joking the idea that like, I almost forget what Ruiz's internal voice say you sounds like anymore. Um, but at the same time, I, I I do agree that this is kind of a more laid back segment and maybe they just didn't feel like a lot of that stuff is necessary. And I can't really tell as a novel reader anymore what is, what is, what feels like it might be missing. I know that, that based on some arguments, I can see some people having seen, uh, I can see certain people missing context that is kind of important so that maybe it is lacking in certain regards but i think overall like it's a it's a solid season and again visually as much as i complain it's because i am spoiled by the first season and i still acknowledge this show is still gorgeous compared to most all shows this season um but yeah other than that it's just like it's a it's a solid story i i really hurt for rius um the conclusion of it was really solid i think i think they i think they found a really good stopping point and um then on it's just gonna be shoot we're all waiting for the next core we all know it <laughs> this is just the fluff we have to get past through right now we're all waiting for the next core um which i am super excited for i'll just say that uh I, I i do have to admit that um i did have a fun time covering this season though um the channel seen some amazing growth a lot of the support for my skip content slash analysis slash impressions videos for each week did really well I'm planning on doing more skip content for season one until the second season, a second part comes around. So, um, hopefully if you guys aren't already on youtube.com slash spirit, you'll wait around for those because it's a lot of fun stuff. I, I want I want to do one on for sure. I want to do one on Lilia. I so badly want to make a video on Lilia and yes, Paul's involvement with Lilia. Cause that story is super sad. And that's again, as much as we love season one was a lot of skip stuff. Uh, Richard's all the skip stuff around reserve from the first season, like the, the true story of the Supers that the anime didn't really do a good job of portraying, I think, is um, some good stuff there as well. there's a lot of, obviously, Therese, <laughs> Rezard's friend, everything around Millis, all that skipped stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about all that things, all those things. So yeah, if you're not subscribed there already, make sure to be there. But um, yeah, that's that's it for this part, right? We we got it all. Let me let me double check. Let me let me look at my initial list. I think we did do them all though. We did, yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. That's part one. Got two more parts to go. Chris, are you in the bag? It's in the bag. It's in the bag. Swish. We were gonna do Yohane the Parhelion because that's like the first show that ended. But Chris is like, "I'm behind an episode." I'm like, "Dude, it was the first to finish. How would you skip on Yohane?" You have to watch the power of friendship beat up the evil drear Like that's the coolest show. It's actually a really good show. Um, compare like I, I think Johanne is like one of the ones that's like this shouldn't work, but it actually works. I um, actually we'll talk it, about it, it next it, week, it, okay, Chris. I bade you into that. I'm sorry. Um, uh, but yeah, we got we got more to come. Like I said, probably like 35 shows total. So it's gonna be in the next few weeks is just talking about these these shows and. But yeah, then we have first we have new shows coming up. This is the week it starts. Chris, are
1: you excited? We're already getting into fall. I don't know. I I I will keep an eye on the Crunchyroll. I'm gonna watch the Crunchyroll feed as stuff pops up. I'll I'll go. Yes, no. I'm watching. (laughs) You're like I give up. (laughs) I think it's like Wednesdays. I think it was
0: it starts proper. I think one show already. The Overlord clone. I think already aired. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Thursday or Friday, whatever it is, Ferrin. That's my. I'm gonna be there for that one. I'm so excited. Anyways, uh, thank you guys for watching or listening. Watching if you're on YouTube, you're watching just a still screen. I'm sorry, uh, but yeah, we thank you guys for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed. As always, we're on talkerspeak.com, where so all of our links are. Definitely appreciate guys' support. All of those that support the channel monetarily. Until the next time, y'all take care. Oos.